This is a Podcast 225 production. Welcome to the Clay Young Show. It is officially political season. We've been talking about politics, seems like a nonstop for about three years in this country and here in this state. And we are officially in that season. We're less than a month away or right at a month away from the presidential election, which will take place on November 8th, Tuesday, November 8th. But there will be elections happening here in the Baton Rouge area on November 8th as well. And we'll talk about that more in just a moment. How are you? Welcome to the Clay Young Show here on podcast 225.com, iTunes, and free on the Talk 107.3 mobile app as well. Always glad to have you here with us. As we say every week, hit that subscribe button. Tell your friends about us when you see commentary either on Facebook or Twitter. Let us know what you think there. You can leave a review for the show on iTunes, whether good or bad. We just want to hear from you. You can also give us a rating there, (coughs) four stars on iTunes as well, to tell us you appreciate the work that we're putting in. This is the 92nd edition of the Clay Young Show, and I'm kind of racking my brain about what I'm going to do for the 100th edition, which will happen before this year is up. I don't know. I got some ideas. I got some ideas. I don't want to give anything away too soon, not until I nail it down, but hoping to make the 100th edition of the show very special. I mean, this year we have covered things in politics. We have obviously covered the incidents that have taken place in Baton Rouge from the shooting of Alton Sterling to the shooting of these police officers to the floods that took place weeks later, and now we're into the election season. Can you imagine? And we learned today, as I'm sitting to record this, that the mascot for LSU, Mike the Tiger, who we found out around here, had cancer a few weeks ago, and they had given a longer amount of time for the Tiger to live and seek treatment. Found out today that he's got about a month to two months to live, and they're going to euthanize the Tiger. So that's got people who love that university very, very sad. And I was having a conversation with a buddy of mine, Dave Sorge, about that. And he was saying, and I was telling him that, you know, they're going to replace the Tiger. And he was like, well, you know, I'm glad they're going to do that. And I said, well, you know, there was, there was some discussion, brief, small circles, some discussions about not having another Tiger not having another live mascot. And clearly that is not the direction the university is going in. They've not wussed out yet to some of that. Plus that Tiger's taken care of. I mean, he's got a compound over there on campus that he gets to live in. And the next one will get that as well. The best food, the best doctors. Hell, there are people in Baton Rouge who can be envious of the way that that Tiger lives. So they're going to replace him. Now, back to politics. A few weeks ago, I got an email from a young man. Corey Smith is his name. He is an educator and is running for the city council, the parish council, actually, in District 12. Now, District 12 is a seat currently held by John Delgado, who is a candidate for mayor. I've had a conversation with Delgado on this show before, and I hope to get him back again. 
in addition to getting Sharon Broom back on the show and speaking with Senator Bodie White and all the other top mayoral candidates before we get to early voting. But today's show is about the man who hopes to fill the seat currently held by Mr. Delgado, Corey Smith. And uh, we talk about a great number of things. Crime, he gives you his platform. Now listen, you're going to get to form your own opinion about the, the people who come in to talk with you about politics. I'm going to ask them questions. I want them to answer me clearly. I'm going to press them on things. But you'll get to make up your own mind. And you'll hear from him. He's a little nervous in the beginning. Told me after the fact that this is the first interview of this kind that he's ever done. And he got more comfortable along the way. There may be things in there you agree with him on, some things you will disagree with him on, I'm sure, as well. But that's the way politics works, right? And so you'll hear from him. And if you are a candidate for office and you'd like to get a few minutes on the show to talk with me about why you ought to be elected, we'll talk with you if we can. I've got some friends who are running for office in some places, and I'll likely talk with them as well. But they'll have to come in and answer the serious questions just like everybody else. Okay. again, don't forget, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on iTunes. And if you don't have iTunes, get iTunes. What's wrong with you? If you don't have an Apple device, I get it. They make the screen out of cotton candy paper or something. It's just it's ridiculous. You can get the Talk 107.3 app in your app store and listen to the show that way. Or just log on to the website, podcast225.com. How easy is that? Back with Corey Smith after this. Podcasts have become a great way to get radio on demand. If you've wanted your own podcast, the time to call us is now. This year, Podcast 225 will be launching new shows and yours can be one of them. You won't have to build your own website and you'll be able to use professional broadcast equipment that will make your show sound amazing. If you'd like to know more, call 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Be a part of the on-demand audio movement today. This is the Clay Young Show on Podcast225.com. Back with Corey Smith, who's a candidate for the Metro Council in District 12, the seat that will be vacated by mayoral candidate John Delgado. There is a, a cadre of talent in the race to replace Mr. Delgado. Chief among them is a sitting member of the school board. Barbara Freiberg is running to have that seat, but the young man sitting to my left thinks he is the best person for that job. And again, his name is Corey Smith. Corey, how are you this morning? I'm doing great. And yourself? Fantastic. Uh, we were talking about this before we started recording it. I was asking you, why'd you decide to do this? And you were kind of giving some backstory on that. So let's fill everybody else in on why, you know, all, I've got friends all over in government and I always think you guys are crazy. I spent one year as the president of my neighborhood association. And after that year was over, I just thought to myself, why the hell would anybody else want to do this on a bigger scale for longer? Uh, as I say that facetiously, but uh, why do you want to do this? Well, the reason why I am the best candidate for Metro City Council District 12, I am the experienced candidate. Um, all right. Ms. Freiburge, as well as my other opponents, are very nice people, mm -hmm. and they have great skill sets. But however, 
I am the only one that has experience in working in city government. I'm the only one that knows what it takes to address residents' needs and issues pertaining to city government. Now, you mean city government, because she would say that she's in her second term as a member of the legislative body of the school board. Correct. So she, you know, she could make the case, well, I'm working kind of in parish government on the legislative level. But, uh, yeah, you, you, you disagree with that. I disagree because Miss um, Freiburg is an educator. She, she has more than 40, close to 40 years of experience in education. Yeah. And I do think she is very much equipped to write educational policy legislation pertaining to education. Mm-hmm. However, when it comes to the Metro Council, that is another horse of another color. Okay. A completely different world. And um, none of my opponents have experience in in working for the Metro Council. I'm the only one that has been a legislative assistant. So I know what it takes to run a city council. Okay. Uh, let's talk a little bit about that experience. If I can get you to lift that mic just a little bit more. There you go. Uh, there you go. Um, let's talk a little bit about what that experience looks like. Give me some specifics. Well, um, for as, like I told you guys, I was the youngest legislative assistant that ever worked for East Baton Rouge Metro City Council till this day. Um, once I stopped working for the Metro City Council I, and went into education, I continued to train the legislative assistants that came after me in multiple council districts. And I'm very proud of that. Mm-hmm. Um, for as putting together the 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 council packets and knowing how ordinances are supposed to be written in that whole process of of just handling the needs and issues of of residents in the council so i'm i'm the only one i can honestly say now i do think like i said earlier my opponents have very great skill sets i don't take away anything from anyone i think they're very nice people but being nice a nice person and having a skill set as a lawyer or working for the CAT system or even the school system. I'm an employee of East Baton Rouge um, Parish School System as well. So I just know that this is the, I'm the best person for this position. On your website uh, or on your election page, you talk a little bit about some of the things that you stand for. You talk about transportation. It's interesting as we sit and record this today, I was stuck in our traffic this morning and was frustrated with it because we talk about traffic every four years. I mean, every four years, we talk about improving traffic here. And under Mayor Holden, we saw some road improvements with the green light plan, and we saw some road creation with green light, uh, and there's some work going on now. But the overall congestion that involves both the interstate and some of the main thoroughfares in Baton Rouge, Airline Highway, Government Street, Florida Street, there's no relief. And with all the extra people here after the flood, man, it's it's a bad, bad problem. It increased the congestion. So immensely. then uh, the first three things on your list include uh, or are reconstruct the CATS bus system to make it more efficient, synchronize traffic lights to fight congestion and bike share program expansion. Don't want to talk about the bike share program. I don't ride bikes. But, <laughs> but hey, but that would be a great way to get people off the road. Well, maybe so. But, you know, if some of the people who are on the streets end up on bicycles, I'm afraid that we're going to end up with a hell of a lot more deaths in Baton Rouge based upon the way people handle cars. But synchronizing traffic lights, let's start with cats. How would you make cats more efficient? 
Well, the way I would make cats more efficient would be to, to just reconstruct the way the system is operated. Um, we have a lot of, lot of bu big buses that drive through our district and throughout the city parish um, that are pretty, pretty much empty. And I've been speaking with a lot of people in my district, and a lot of people want to get rid of the cat bus system altogether. And I, what I stress to them is that we need public transportation. If you get rid of the cat's bus system, what you will be doing is taking away people's way to get to work. And then you're going to be worrying about people breaking into your house. So that getting rid of the public transportation system completely is just absurd to me. However, I do feel there are ways we can reconstruct it to make it more efficient. What are those ways? Um, one of the most effective way I do believe would be to go from having the buses to having more shuttles and vans. This will this will make it um, more conducive for the people to ride mm -hmm. because um, and it actually will be cheaper to the taxpayers overall because it is cheaper to fill up the gas on a minivan than it is on a bus. It is cheaper to fix the maintenance on a van than it is a bus. So it's just cheaper all the way around as well as you won't have these oversized buses that that are pretty much empty. Okay, what else? Um, the... The main reason why I, I decided to focus on transportation efficiency because traffic, like you said, I I coming here today, <laughs> I stayed in traffic uh, over 45 yeah. Blue body minutes. backs up pretty good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And although you disagree with the bike share program. No, no, no I didn't say I disagree with it. I, I mean, I was kind of halfway kidding with that. It's like, I don't do bikes, but it's a big deal around, right. and, around town. But I don't know how that will impact Traffic it on I ten. It would. It, it probably won't impact traffic on I ten. But when you talk about traffic on the ground, for yeah. as like College Drive, yeah, um, Perkins, Highland. Now explain Dose. what that is, and and just for the record, I ten is obviously federal roadway, correct, correct. and that's not something you as a city not council, at all. not at all. However, the state is turning over, as you know, the state turned over a list of roads to the city, and they're paying the city to manage correct. and and take care of some state roads, right? Uh, which includes some of the roads inside of the city that we're talking about but let's go back to the bike thing how does that program alleviate traffic congestion well like like we said earlier one of the biggest important one of the most important things is getting people out of the cars getting cars off the road yeah now certain areas like um tigerland or south downs yeah. those areas will be very great to have a bike share program in. And if you look at major cities like what Chicago. What is a bike share program? Um, if you look at major cities like Chicago who have functioning bike share programs um, where you allow to, just like you use a cab, they have, instead of having the, car, the cab cars, you have bikes. And people, you walk up to the, the meter, you use your credit card to, to rent the bike, and you're able to go a certain amount of miles until the next um, bike station or yeah. whatever the case may be and you just have to have function well expanded bike bike road paths yeah. and things of that nature and it promotes health and fitness to people you find it in major cities that a lot of believe it or not a lot of a lot of older people enjoy riding bicycles now and college students but it just doesn't seem like something that would work here because of the way people think 
And I think I agree with you. Anyone who says they we should eliminate cats, I just think that's no, a ridiculous yeah, thing right, to right. say. It's like, you can't be a major city with no transit with no system. public transportation. I mean, that's just that it's it's inconscionable to think about that as a suggestion. So you're right on the bike thing. I can't see people here being on board with that. And I don't necessarily know how it'll impact all the wait time, depending on what time of day it is. Mm-hmm. I can look right out of my studio window here and see traffic sit here on Blue Bonnet without moving. Right. One of the reasons is because of a bus stop right uh, as you cross Perkins Road. That catch bus sits. Sometimes there's six, seven, eight people on the bus, but it'll sit there a few seconds. And in that 10, 15 seconds, that traffic backs up. And so I love the thought of trying to make the agency more more efficient. I think it is ridiculous, as you say, to think about eliminating cats. You say expand first-time home buyer program. Right. Programs, def- define that. Right. Um, a lot of people of, in my generation, my peers, sure. wh- who are around 27, mid, going to 30, yeah. um, we are looking to buy homes now. And... My district, the district that I live in, the neighborhoods like Concord, Pollard, yeah. Kenilworth, those are your more family, family, um, I'm trying to find the uh, lack of a better word, more family-oriented neighborhoods. Sure. And, and more of my peers are looking to move into those neighborhoods to, 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 to start their families yeah. and to, to create that, that longevity of what we work so hard to build up to. So what will the program be? The program would more than I will work with for the most part. I will work with um, different other third party agencies who already have home first time home buyer programs. Okay, most first time home buyer programs have different um, percentages, interest rates for newly college graduates and things of that nature. Um, the biggest thing is educating people on 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 the program. Yeah, making it aware that there's programs out there that exist to help you become a homeowner opposed to being the renter. A renter. Uh, You talk also about fighting blight, which is something that I I care a whole lot about in this town. I think we could do a better job with that. I also think we can do a better job cutting uh, or mowing mowing the grass in Baton Rouge. I mean, we've got some areas that that look like cane fields in Baton Rouge. I agree. So talk about fighting blight, which has been something that you hear from council members who represent uh, parts of downtown Baton Rouge, uh, you don't hear as much of it out here, mm-hmm. but what's your idea of fighting blight in Baton Rouge? Well, we do have a lot of blighted properties, and, and as, as more of them now <laughs> because of the flooding, right? And we have a lot of residential blighted areas properties as well as a lot of commercial blighted properties, right? And I think so. We spend so much time focusing on the residential blighted areas till we pretty neglect the commercial blighted properties, yeah. Which which the commercial blighted properties are bigger in size and and causes a greater contribution to the debris and different mm-hmm. things that block the the canals and like water. Some of these old warehouses and old convenience stores right, and shops right. that are that are sitting yeah. And and the crazy thing about it is we could we 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 we're, we're having a growing um, rate in in the homeless population here yeah. in Baton Rouge. Yeah. And we we really should re, we re renovate these blighted properties mm-hmm. and and we can really address the homeless issues as well as some other economic development issues right right uh you talk about um work 
to ex, uh, to eliminate expired and ineffective. Now, is this millages? Mm-hmm. So explain that to me. Well, because Baton Rouge, we have so many property taxes. Um, <laughs> and yeah. in reality, what we should do is consolidate these property taxes and allocate money on an as-needed basis to the different divisions for as the crime district, fire district, Wheatlings and all of those different different divisions, opposed to us plant paying different taxes. You're talking about taxes. cutting some of the fat in government, right? We don't have to talk a whole lot about that. We're in agreement. <laughs> On to the next thing. Um, you talk about new infrastructure, new drainage system to address flooding uh, during the time that we had this, well, this situation here. Well, actually, six weeks ago, right? Actually, uh, this been on my platform long so before, before the, the flooding, long before the historic okay. flood, because in my neighborhood, I'm pretty sure in a lot of your listeners neighborhood as well. Mm-hmm. If it rained just a normal rain, it floods in my neighborhood. Sure. And lots I, of areas in Baton Rouge are just like right. that. And, right. And and that and a lot of the, the problem is we need more drainage. We need more drainage for one. But. Even if we have more drainage and we don't address the blighted issues, we still don't have a place for the water to flow. Well, how would you pay for it? Hmm. It should already be paid for. And, well, we don't have the money. And, and in some form of fashion in the budget, that is something to Money's address the, the blighted properties. Well, there, there, that, there is a little bit of that. And, 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 and some of what you can do deals with the way you go after the ownership of the property and taking the property and selling property. I mean, there, there are mechanisms that can help you get funding for some of that. Right. But going back to drainage and, and infrastructure issues, I've had conversations with people who currently work in city government, and the feds have been after us about that. But it all comes back so to there's money. No money. There's no money, but at the same time, we continue, we continue to make more developments, and we haven't addressed the blighted properties. Now, you might not need as much drainage if we handled the blighted properties first. Sure. We need to address that issue before we continue to build more buildings and there's nowhere for the water to well, go. And, but, but not all of that is, is a function of, of what, I mean, if, if someone qualifies for a permit to do construction, I mean, the city has no choice but to let them build. I, I think you're right. The, the larger discussion of building in places that we shouldn't have built in. But that horse is out of the barn already. Right. After all of the flooding we had a month in, uh, or so ago, it's clear that we are we are building homes in places that water would love to flow. Right. Uh, let's talk about crime. As you know, it has been a big discussion this summer, although Baton Rouge is having one of the lowest homicide years mm-hmm. in recent history. It's not something we've talked about because of the incident that started with the shooting of Alton Sterling and went all the way through this this summer. And we're still waiting for the Department of Justice's decision, Correct. which I suspect is going to be coming sometime this month. But crime is a big part of the discussion here and the relationship between law enforcement and communities, specifically inner city communities. So talk with me about, and talk with us about your philosophy on dealing with crime in Baton Rouge. As I stated many times to many people, rules without, without relationships equals rebellion. Explain. I, I'm an educator by okay, trade, right. and I tell this to my students all the time. 
and I tell this to my, my coworkers, if you put rules in place and you do not establish a relationship with people, they are going to rebel at some point in time against you. Give me an example. Now, the only time, especially when it comes to the black community, a lot of times, I don't want to say all black people, but a lot of times a great percentage of black people only encounter the police when something bad is going on. I guess that could be said, that could be true of most people. Correct. But when it's time, when it's, when you're talking about this particular community, most, most, and, and then they say why we don't have a high rate of candidates applying for, to be police officers coming from these communities to, so we can have more officers on staff to place in the, the in the community in which they live. Mm-hmm. Um, that is the reason why, because if you have a person or in a neighbor, a particular neighborhood where the police officers are the ones that's taking away their father, it's taking away their their brothers. Um, they're not too fond of police officers for one. And they not necessarily want to grow up and become a police officer. But if now, someone has broken the law, what right, else are the police going to do? I, I come, I come from a family of police officers. Sure. So, so then you get it. If right, somebody breaks the law a, and get it the police are there to take you away, it's not because you lost the lottery and you got to go to jail. Right. So because the police officer right. is policing the action, they're right. not really policing the actual person. They're, yes. So I, do I, you think I'm going to ask you? Do you think inner city communities? catch a bad rap because of some of the criminal activity there and do you think police officers catch a bad rap because of the small instances of like Tulsa there are lots of cases involving police and communities that without enough information I won't speak on Mm -hmm. but the one in Tulsa to me seemed to be blatantly the fault of the woman who shot the guy right okay and apparently that's the case because she was charged with it, okay? But do you think police officers are often put in the same category based upon the actions of a small few? And again, the question I asked you about inner, inner city communities, specifically young black men, speak yes. to those two realities. I do, um, I do agree with both of them. Um, I do think both police officers and a lot of young black men are miscategorized and, and being a per, the person or a persona that they're not. Um, like I said, I come from a, a line, a long family of police officers mm-hmm. who are really great people. Sure. And people have to understand that these are, when people, that, that's their job. Sure. And, and I do agree and I do feel that police officers need more to have just more periodic professional development. Um, Explain that. Other professions, such as mine, as being an educator, we have professional developments all the time. Every but what does that mean? Drill down on that. De-escalation, um, building, um, being able to identify other cultures, being able to diversify yourself, just d- ways to handle situations, just different trainings to to I don't necessarily know what it what being a police officer entails, so sure. I would have to know exactly sure. the intimate details sure, sure. now. But whatever it is, I know there's some process and some uh, protocol procedures in place that should be abided abided by by each officer who signed take, took the oath to serve and protect. So I do feel that having more um, having more 
training, professional developments for the police officers will help a great deal because a lot of them are just human, just like me and you. Sure. And sometimes they they are thinking in emotion and they have to learn how to detach themselves from that. I think that that's a discussion that's got to happen in this town on both sides. Right. And I don't think every person in inner city communities is a, cr- a criminal. In fact, I think the They're majority not. of people in black neighborhoods are not criminals. I also think the overwhelming majority of law enforcement professionals are people who are doing a job and who are not intending to hurt anybody. Right. And, and another issue is that we, what we have to do is, and what we can't forget is mental health. And Big, big thing, you're right. And a lot of times, we, what we really should do is evaluate the evaluate the communities at an earlier age, maybe like on a, a elementary level to see if there's any types of mental health issues present at that time. But but that is an issue that should be left to the officials who run the programs and the the the, the agencies that fund mental health programs. I mean, everyone knows that. Under our last governor, a lot of these programs were waylaid. I mean, Correct. funding was cut, and nobody can deny that. Right. But that's that's a tall order to ask a police officer who is not trained as a mental health professional no, to make what, that this, assessment. No, that's what I'm saying. I'm not asking a police officer okay. to do it at all. The police. Uh, I you mean the process yes, before the, then? Right. That's what I'm saying is these people on elementary level, students, yeah. let's say, students should be evaluated at an early age, at an early development age, to see if there's some mental health issues present before that child grows up and the the mental health issues are undetected. And then what the police officer is going to do is deem them as a criminal. What society will do, deem them as a criminal. And the police officer will just be doing their job. Just be, just be doing their job, but a person who's fallen through the cracks because the system failed them. Right. And and I I do believe in the case of someone who lacks the capacity to make sound decisions on their own. Right. And there I should be I, there should be systems in place to better deal with that. The sheriff houses people with mental health issues and he'll be the first to tell you the parish prison is not the place. Right. It should not be where these people are. I agree. And, and that's a, I hope we have that discussion because more and more and more around the country, we're seeing people with mental illness on streets and many of them are able to get guns and you see what the outcome of that is. And that's a loser for everybody. Everyone. Uh, you know, final a couple of questions here. I'll ask you this. One of the big, and, and I, I, I want to come back to what I just asked about first. The Department of Justice decision is coming down the pike. It could happen this month, which means it will happen before the election, which means that all of you running for office will be required to take a position on this at some point. I don't want Baton Rouge to burn. I think people protesting is a a function of their constitutional rights. They can be angry and scream and do whatever they want. It's the law. I don't want Charlotte here. And I don't think having a Charlotte situation here is the answer to anything except the question, what is the worst thing that could happen? So then you tell me, what do you tell people on both sides of this even before the decision comes down the pike? And if it does, and it's a case where DOJ doesn't indict these officers, what do you want to see this community do? I want to see the community unite. 
we have to really sit down. Now, I do think a lot of wounds have been open. Sure. But we really have to sit down and have real conversations with each other. And it, everything boils down to respect. It, it really doesn't, I, doesn't, I don't care if you like me or not. What I do care about is that you respect me. And if you respect me, we're able to coexist. Um, I personally like all people. I'm for what you call all lives matter. <laughs> and the reason why I'm for all lives matter is because I, I have very strong Christian principles. And hate is hate. Division is division. There is one God. There's no division in God. And so I'm not going to be here playing God and trying to divide the people. So I'm, I'm, I'm here just to unite Baton Rouge as one. No, not a North Baton Rouge, South Baton Rouge. I'm here to unite Baton Rouge. I'll ask you this final question. Uh, just anything you would like potential voters who are listening, who live in District 12, to know about you and why you believe you are the best person for that job? Definitely. Well, voters and our listeners, like I said earlier, I'm Corey Smith. I am your experienced candidate for Metro City Council, District 12. I am the one. The one is an acronym to describe my progressive platform, transportation efficiency, home ownership and development, elimination of governmental waste, opening up a new senior center in District 12, new infrastructure as well as expanding opportunities to local contractors to build city projects. Um, and that will keep tax dollars circulating in our parish city government. When I tell you guys, God placed me on this earth to be a public servant and I'm solely here to be a service. So I, I ask you to vote Corey Smith, the one. How can they find out more about your platform? You can definitely visit www.coreydsmith.com and you can add me on Facebook or Instagram. I'm, I'm everywhere. That's so. what people do now on social media. Well, listen, you, you emailed about coming on and talking and we will accept everybody. You know, one of the things we get to do here is have long form uninterrupted discussion and I am going to see what people say their platform is. I've lived here and have been involved here for, as you know, a very long time. Right. So I get the inner workings of this city. And I want everyone to have a fair shot on either side to come on and talk about why they believe they are the best candidate for whatever office they're running for and let the people on the other side of this Design. microphone make up their mind. So, Corey, we appreciate you coming in. Thank you. I appreciate you having me. Back to wrap up in just a moment. Promote your business or organization on Podcast225.com. Podcast225.com is quickly becoming a weekly tradition for Louisiana listeners. Every month, thousands hear the weekly Clay Young Show. Every week, Clay sits with some of the state's most fascinating and entertaining people. Posting your company's logo on the Podcast225.com website or having a professionally produced commercial air on The Clay Young Show is a great way to access a loyal and informed audience. Get more information by calling 225-214-1550. That's 225-214-1550. Clay Young here with Brian Lowe with Brian Lowe Financial. Brian, let's talk about this thing called forced retirement that's affecting people all over the country. Most of us think we have five years to retire mm -hmm. or 10 years to retire. You start thinking about putting the numbers together, right. creating the income plan, taking our class. The average person in my class is you know, 65 to 68. Mm -hmm. uh, but this thing called forced retirement, uh, too many days this last week, people came in and said, look, I had five years, but I'm being forced to retire. Right. We got the election coming up. 
So whatever party wins, good, bad, or ugly, it could affect you going forward. There'll be an impact. There's going to be some impact on all of our lives in right. some way, and it could be you. How would you handle that emotionally? Do you have enough money saved up? Do you have a true income plan? When you're forced to be on a, a paycheck, a, a fixed income, you know, do you have enough assets? Look, fear and greed. We, we want to make money. The truth is we don't want to lose any money. Give us a call. Let's get a plan going forward. Learn more at brianlowfinancial.com. Welcome back to The Clay Young Show. All right, let's wrap this puppy up. Another edition of The Clay Young Show in the books, the 92nd edition, 93 on the way really, really soon. Corey Smith there trying to get on the city council and make his impact felt. We'll see what happens on Election Day. I don't live in that district, and I actually know one of the other candidates he mentioned her, Barbara Freiberg, who sits on the city uh, on the school board, excuse me, as we speak. And so we'll see if there are other candidates who may pop in for other races. I know of one already who's confirmed to do the show. And once I get a date, I'll tell you who that is. And we're definitely going to talk with the mayoral candidates, the people who want to lead the city for the next four years. Last week's show got great reviews and a lot of feedback talking about pro wrestling. Who knew I had so many people in my close circle who were wrestling fans back in the 70s and 80s? Man, that was, I think, the heyday of that stuff when you still had a sliver of a belief that it was real. Obviously, that's all out the window now is I don't really keep up with what's going on nowadays. But I remember those days back at what we called the Centroplex back in the day and some of those... (laughs) smoky uh, places where wrestling used to take place. It was it was the MMA of the 70s and 80s because you thought it was real. And some of the more over-the-top stuff was just entertaining, but I don't know. It's it's That's clearly not the case anymore. And if you heard the show, I'm pretty certain you were shocked by that thing he said about John Cena, and I'm pretty sure John Cena would not love the fact that he's putting that out there. And the story about Brock Lesnar was was pretty interesting as well. So if you didn't hear that show, you need to go back and listen to it and check out all of the shows that we've done, the previous 91 editions of The Clay Young Show. We've had everything from leaders of this state in politics to people who have done well in business to people who have captured our attention in the news. Sandra Sterling was on the show. We spoke with former police chiefs. Pat Inglade and Jeff LaDuff about bringing the community together. So just peruse what we've got there. And finally, I'd like to welcome to the podcast 225 Family, The Waiting Room. I encourage you to go over and check out The Waiting Room podcast with Dr. Mary Catherine Rodrigue and PhD candidate, candidate in waiting, Katie Fetzer, as they talk about issues of mental health. They've done their first show. It's in the books And they're going to be on with you a couple times a month to start to talk a lot about what's happening in the world of mental health. I think you're going to enjoy it. If you have not heard their first show, go over and check it out. It's called The Waiting Room, The Waiting Room, episode one here on podcast225.com. Welcome to the family, ladies. And with that, thank you again for listening to this show. And we'll catch you next week here on podcast225.com, iTunes, and the Talk 
107.3 mobile app. Subscribe, subscribe, subscribe. Thanks for listening. Join us next week for another edition of The Clay Young Show.